following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. Wow, it's so good to be in church on Pentecost Sunday. And uh, what a great time uh, to celebrate the Holy Spirit and uh, what He's done in our lives. And so today I, I want to speak to you on the Holy Spirit. What do you reckon? Is that a good thing to speak on? So um, we're a Pentecostal church, and as a Pentecostal church, we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in something else called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's an experience that comes after salvation, subsequent to salvation. It is distinct and different to salvation. At, At salvation, we receive what's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So when you get saved, every believer that gets saved has the Holy Spirit dwell within them. But what happens is that there is another experience after salvation called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's when you get empowered by the Holy Spirit. So not only do you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, but you also have the Holy Spirit empowering you. And wow, what an awesome thing it is to have the empowerment. And that's what Jesus said. Wait in Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. It's not that the disciples weren't saved prior to that point. It's not as if they didn't love Jesus or had the message. They had the indwelling of the Spirit within them because after the resurrection, Jesus actually breathed upon them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So at that point, straight after the resurrection, they received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But what had not happened was the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And tonight, I'm telling you, I've got a fire burning in my belly. If you've come for a nice, soft, reflective message, you've just come to the wrong place tonight. Uh, If you've come for a stirring of your spirit, then you've come to the right place. Hey, I was filled with the Holy Spirit back in 1975. Yes, that's a long time before most of you were born. Who was not born yet? There you go. That's wonderful. I'm in the right service here tonight. 1975 was the year of flares. I'm talking not just, I'm talking big flares. I'm talking flares where you couldn't see your shoes. 1975 was the year of big collars. I'm talking big collars. You had to put it outside of your jacket, not inside, because they'd poke people in the eye. 1975 was the year of the Afro, and I had one. Can you picture me with an afro? Can anybody? You can? Yep, yep. That's the guy that Anne fell in love with. The afro, the pointed collars, and the flares. There you go. But uh, what happened in 1975? I was 16 years of age, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Brought up in church all of my life. Always went to church. Always enjoyed church. Always loved God. But let me tell you, when I got baptized with the Holy Spirit in 1975, my life was totally revolutionized. I became a total fireball for Jesus. There was just something that came upon my life and I changed from being a very timid, quiet, almost secret Christian to being an on-fire evangelist just just overnight. I'm talking about on the Friday um, before I got filled with the Holy Spirit, nobody at high school knew I was a Christian. Very few did. On the Monday, 
Everybody knew I was a Christian. I, was, I actually got in trouble for trying to convert someone in class. And uh, just, uh, just wanting to touch the world for Jesus. That was my experience. And I want to tell you that ought to be the experience for every Christian. Tonight, I want to share with you three things that happened on the day of Pentecost Three things that happened to the disciples that ought to be happening to you if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 2, and I'll read from Acts chapter 2. The first four verses says this, Now when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the first thing that happened to those people on the day of Pentecost that I want to focus on tonight is that they spoke with other tongues. Then there were people in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard these people speak in his own language. In verse 11, it says, And we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. First thing that happened to these people on the day of Pentecost is that they spoke with other tongues. The second thing that happened to them is that they began to declare the wonderful works of God. They opened their mouth and what came out was the declaration of how wonderful God is. And then it says that they started mocking them. But Peter, verse 14, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then in verses 32 to 36, he declares, This Jesus God raised up, of which we were all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every Every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call. The third thing that happened on that day of Pentecost was not only did they speak in tongues, not only did they declare the wonderful works of God, 
but they became powerful witnesses for Jesus. My goodness, what a change in Peter. 53 days previously, he was busy running away, denying Jesus. I don't know him. Leave me alone. I don't know him. Little servant girl, aren't you one of the apostles? No, I don't know him. Leave me alone. Blickety blank, blank, beep, beep, swear. And he said off. 53 days previously, he was the world's biggest wimp. 53 days later, the same man filled with the Holy Ghost, afraid of nobody, afraid of nothing, gets in front of a crowd of thousands of people. You say, how do you know that there were thousands of people? Because 3,000 got saved after he finished preaching. So there must have been even more than 3,000. Peter becomes a fireball. What a transformation took place in this man who only 53 days previously had denied Christ only a few weeks previously had said to everybody else I'm going fishing I'm fed up with all this I'm leaving it all and just going back to what I was doing before Jesus comes along and all of a sudden with the power of the Holy Ghost he becomes a fireball for Jesus that is being empowered now if we can show that this happened more than once if we can show biblically and scripturally that this happened more than once, then theologically, we have to assume that this was not a unique occurrence only for them back there 2,000 years ago, but it is normative for all Christians in all countries, in all cultures, in all generations to pursue what they had. And so tonight, I'm going to show you scripturally how this happened more than once. Are you ready for it? Let me talk first thing. The first thing that happened to them is they spoke in other tongues. And this freaks a lot of people out, the speaking in other tongues. What you ought to do tomorrow, go to work and say to your friends at work that are non-Christians, I go to a church where they speak in other tongues. Ah. <laughs> they freak out at that. They just freak out. You go to a church that speaks in other tongues? Well, my friends, it's biblical because l let me show you how it's certain. I just read to you right now in chapter 2, verse 4, how it happened to the disciples on the day of Pentecost. But in Acts chapter 10, verse 46, we see that it happened to the Italians as well. And if it happens to the Italians, then it's normative. Glory to God. Because huh? it happened, the Bible calls them Gentiles. In verse 46, it says, now, verse 44, now while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, that's the Jews, were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured upon the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So the second time we see it occurring is in Acts chapter 10, verse 46. And what Peter said was, because we heard them speak in other tongues, we believe that this is what we received on the day of Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Then when you go to Acts 19, verse 6, and oh man, I'd love to spend about three hours with you guys tonight just exploring all these scriptures, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say all I need to say in half an hour tonight. And everybody said, amen. <laughs> okay. And in uh, and, and Acts 19, verse 6, but we are going on a marathon. We're going actually on a sprint. We're going to do the marathon at a sprint tonight. I'm going to cover over 40 Ks in, you know, 500 meters. And, and this is what it says in Acts 19 verse 6 and when Paul laid hands upon them the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied so we see it the disciples on the day of Pentecost we see it with the Italians in Acts chapter 10 and now we've got the Greeks the Ephesians in Acts 19 they're speaking in other tongues as well as Paul laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit then what we see is the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18. The Apostle Paul spoke in other tongues. He got baptized. He got saved on the road to Damascus. He got baptized in water in Damascus. He got prayed for, got filled with the Holy Spirit. Then when we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 18, this is what Paul says. I thank my God. I speak in tongues more than all of you, more than all. All of you. So Paul made it his habit to speak in other tongues. Paul did it on a regular basis. Matter of fact, he was bragging to the Corinthians who of all the people, they thought they had this gift nailed. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 23, it was the Corinthian church experience. And Paul's talking to them, you think you speak in other tongues? Well, let me tell you, I speak more than all of you. They're having this tongues competition. Who could speak most? Who could speak more? You or me? And Paul says, I beat you hands down. What are we talking about here? We're talking an experience that the New Testament church saw as normative. It's not something that was unique only to the disciples on the day of Pentecost. It's normative. And you know what makes it normative? Jesus himself said that this would happen to Christians. You say, what? Jesus said Christians would speak in other tongues? Yes. In Mark chapter 16, verse 17, he said, and, this, and these signs shall follow those who believe. How many of you are believers? If you're a believer, this is a sign that shall follow you. Jesus prophesied it. They shall speak with new tongues. Well, friends, as far as I'm concerned, that nails it. Let any theologian try to disprove this. This, And you would say to them, sorry, friend, but you haven't studied the Scriptures. Sorry, friend, but you haven't read the Scriptures because this was not a unique occurrence on one day that you could argue is only for them. This is normative right throughout church history, right throughout the Bible. This is normative. Those that were filled with the Holy Spirit spoke in other tongues. Can anybody say amen to that? Now, the big question, the big question that all of you are sitting there thinking right now and you're hoping that I will answer is, why tongues of all things? Isn't that right? You were thinking that, weren't you? You were sitting there saying, uh, John, please answer this question. Of all things as a sign, why tongues? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I am now going to try to explain to you why tongues. The purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit is to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. It's to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, Paul compares it in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, when he says, Do not be drunk with wine, 
which will ruin your life, incidentally. That's, uh, which is dissipation. And I know you guys don't understand dissipation, but you do understand it will ruin your lives. So the New Living Translation says, do not be drunk with wine, which will ruin your lives. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here it is. Don't be under the influence of grog, but be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And how many of you know what happens when you're under the influence? Your speech gets slurred. All sorts of things happen that are wrong. Yeah, absolutely. You just, uh, you also, you know, just, you, you are under the influence. You are under the influence of grog, which is not good. When you are baptized with the Spirit, you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And the first thing that He wants to influence is your speech. You say, why your speech? Because we're going to get to that, but it's through your speech that you actually minister the gospel. How can they hear without someone preaching? And so what the Holy Spirit wants to do right at the very beginning is get hold of your speech and anoint your speech and give you a speech beyond yourself. It's the speech of the Spirit. And when you are launched into that, then you know you're under the influence. See, so many people want the Holy Spirit without wanting to be under the influence. They, they just want a, a, a theological understanding of it all and just wait back. But I'm telling you, to launch into the river of the Spirit of God, you are out of control, my friends. You are under the influence. And what happens is when you're under the influence, He takes over, you let loose, and you start speaking this language you've never, ever learned before. And you know what Paul says about this language? He says, He that speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak to men, but he speaks to God. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. He builds himself up. See, the spirit within you begins to speak. The spirit within you begins to pray. And as the spirit begins to pray, you start to get built up. You start to get fired up. Why is that? Because God wants to give you the secret of always being filled. When you give out, you get empty. When you give out, you, 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 just, you, you just, you know, you feel, you feel it. It actually leaves you. And so as much that leaves you, it leaves you empty. And so then what you need to do is to get refilled. And so you get under the glory tank and you begin to say, Lord, just fill me with the Spirit. And your Spirit begins to pray. You don't even know what you're praying, but your Spirit knows. And all of a sudden, the tanks begin to be filled. And this under the influence comes on. And as you get under the influence, you get under the anointing. You get under the power. You get under the glory. And it fills you up. And something of God comes into your life. And when something of God comes into your life, how can you ever be the same again I feel sorry for all these reflective types and all they can do is think about things they get into this meditation and think about things it's all up here in the head it's all about my thinking and my reflection 
It's time to get under the spout where the glory comes out. It's time to get under the presence of God and stop getting into your head and start getting into your spirit and begin to say, Holy Spirit, come upon me. I want to come under the influence of the Spirit and launch out in messages in other tongues. Launch out in this language of the Spirit where you are communicating directly to God and God's communicating into your spirit. That's why tongues is important okay the second thing that they did on the day of pentecost is that they opened their mouths and they started declaring the wonders of god the the people around the place began to say we heard them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of god Oh, see, the Holy Spirit will always elevate Jesus. The Holy Spirit will always make you just more and more in love with Him. And I'm telling you, if you're lacking a love relationship with Jesus, you need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to come under the power of the Holy Spirit because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll fall in love with Jesus. And when you do open your mouth and speak English, you'll start speaking the glory of God. You'll start speaking the wonders of God. You'll start telling people, how wonderful is my Jesus? How wonderful is my Lord? How wonderful is my Father? You'll start speaking the wonderful glory of God. These people on the day of Pentecost arrested people. They arrested people because these people heard them speaking the wonderful glory of God. How often do you speak about the glory of God to people? How often when you open up your mouth, what comes out is praise, praise to God, worship to God. Because what we find is that when the Italians had this experience, same thing. They heard them speak with other tongues and magnify God. And, uh, and that word magnify is a word megaluno, which means to make a big deal about God. They started to make a big deal about God. All of a sudden, these Gentiles, these people that had not even been saved for five minutes, they got filled with the Spirit, started speaking in other tongues. And then when they spoke in their language, all they could do is tell people how wonderful God was, started praising, started worshiping, started magnifying, started to make a big deal about God. See, that's why when you come to a Pentecostal church, you will see the uniqueness about Pentecostals is this. They speak in other tongues and they love to worship God. You can't come to a Pentecostal church and not see that there is a culture of praise and worship. And now some people, what they do, they can't stand the worship, so they wait until the worship is over. They don't mind the preaching, but they can't stand the worship. I think, what is the matter with you? If you want to get to heaven, then get ready for worship. Because when I read the book of Revelations, I find that whenever we get a glimpse of heaven, there's a glimpse of worship there, and it's loud worship. Matter of fact, we got silence in heaven for half an hour, the Bible tells us. For half an hour. So for those of you that like it soft, you got to, in all of eternity, you get half an hour. That's it. And then you're done. There's your half hour of silence. Because the rest of it is loud. 
and it's praise and worship to God. And I can't wait. I can't wait to get into the throne room of God with the angels and the elders and the choirs and the singers and the musicians and all tribes and all nations and all peoples and all tongues, all worshiping God together. I can't wait to be there. Why? Because I love worship. I love His presence. I love to open my mouth and magnify Him. Oh, I tell you, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you can't do anything else but praise and worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Master. Oh, it's awesome. Then when Paul talks about it in Ephesians chapter 5, you know the scripture, do not be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. For those of my father-in-law's generation, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Paul goes on and he says, speaking to one another. That's, that's, that's the next verse. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. What Paul says is that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, what will flow from you is this incredible music, this incredible attitude of worship and praise for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, what a wonderful thing to find spirit-filled people that love to worship God. One person clapped over that. I know who the spirit-filled person is on the front row that loves to worship God. I tell you, I just, I just love being with God's people all over the world that love to worship God. I'll never forget one of my first missions trips to India. I went, <clears throat> we're talking the back blocks. I went to a place that no missionaries go to. I went to a place where they hadn't seen white people. And so if you want to draw a crowd, just stand in the middle of the street. They don't have to say anything. They just come to look at the white man. And, um, and, then <laughs> and so what we'd do to even draw a bigger crowd, we'd get the guitar out and start singing songs. This is the day. This is the day. That, can you believe in India that draws a crowd? Huh? It drew a crowd, a big crowd. And we'd preach the gospel and see people saved. But then we'd go to their church, and, and I'll never forget this. I went to this church that was the poorest church. I, I mean, when they took up the offering, they had two, two offering buckets. There was one for money and one for rice. And so some of the poor people could not, they didn't have any money to put into the money, into the money tin. And so they'd bring some of their rice, and they put it, in, in the tin. That was their offering, just, you know, a couple of handfuls of rice. But they wanted to give to God, but that's all that they had. And I, I, you know, I was moved. And so, and so I, I'm, I'm in this service. You know, I came fairly early because I'm preaching. And, um, and so the pastor gets to start the service. Now, some people had walked 10 hours to get to that service, on foot, 10 hours. Other people had actually walked a couple of days that stayed at relatives to get to that service. And then the pastor said, he prayed, we commit the service to the Lord in prayer and now we're going to worship. And it was like a bomb went off in that place. Every single one of those people got up to their feet and with a loud voice, they started worshiping God. I sat there and I am bawling like a baby. I was, it was like 
a wave just hit my spirit. And I thought, oh my God, look at us and all that we have and the fancy lights and the music. And we've got to be pumped up and pumped up and pumped up and pumped up to start singing. And these people with nothing, but yet they've got everything. They've got a love for you. That was one of the greatest worship services I've ever been to in my whole life. I couldn't understand a word of what they were saying, but my spirit understood exactly what love for Jesus was all about. And I thought, this is awesome. Here I am in India on the other side of the planet, but I've joined my brothers and sisters in worshiping the same God and we're singing praise to Him. And they're so thrilled that they've been released from demons. They're so thrilled that for years they were worshiping gods of stone and gods of wood and demons and trying to appease them. For years they'd have to shed their own blood to cover their sins. But they found that there was a Savior called Jesus who shed His blood to forgive their sins and when they found him they could do nothing but worship and honor the king of kings and the lord of lords worship worship is an overflow of being filled with the spirit and the third thing that happens and i'm just about finished what was the first thing that happens when you're filled with the spirit you speak in other tongues the second thing that happens when you're filled with the holy spirit you begin to worship and praise god the third thing that happens when you're filled with the holy spirit is that you become a powerful witness for jesus a powerful witness for jesus the day of pentecost that we celebrate was actually the feast of harvest hello on the jewish calendar the Feast of Pentecost was the Feast of Harvest. And every year they would have the Feast of Harvest where they would celebrate the coming in of the harvest, the ingathering of the harvest. Hello, can you hear what God is saying Pentecost is all about? Jesus used the metaphor of harvest over and over again. Look to the fields, for they are white unto harvest. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he might send out laborers into the harvest field. Bring in. Don't say there are still months away because the harvest is here. Get ready for it, church. The day of Pentecost was the celebration of God getting ready to bring in the harvest. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, just tarry here in Jerusalem and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus had in mind when he filled us with the Holy Spirit, not just speaking in tongues, not just praise and worship. Those, those two things are wonderful. But he had in mind the harvest. You shall be my witnesses. You shall be empowered to be my witnesses. And that was exactly what happened to Peter on the day of Pentecost when he got up under Holy Spirit anointing and he began to declare the marvelous message of God. He was so articulate. He was so powerful. He was so prophetic under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't some dumb, boring theologian that had nothing to say. And I, I know there's plenty of theologians that have got lots to say, but some of them are just dead boring. That was not Peter. He was filled with fire from heaven. And when he opened his mouth, it was like arrows penetrating people's hearts. It was like a fire that started to burn within people. And when they heard the message, they were arrested by the power of God. 
My goodness, that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what happened to Paul on the road to Damascus. He had a confrontation with the Lord Jesus Christ where Jesus spoke to him. He went to a house for three days, didn't eat, didn't drink for three days. And then the disciple Ananias came and he says, says God spoke to me to come and pray for you, to baptize you, to lead you, to, to, to make you make sure that you understand the power of the Holy Spirit. He prayed for him. He got baptized. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. And then immediately, the Bible tells us that Paul went out and started preaching the gospel. We're talking one day. We're talking three days previously. This man was killing Christians. Three days previously, he was the arch enemy of the church, number one. Three days later, filled with the Holy Spirit, he's in the synagogues telling everybody, Jesus is Lord. He opens the Old Testament up, starts showing people Jesus everywhere. How does that happen? Under the power of the Holy Ghost, that's how it happens. Wouldn't it be awesome today? If after three days someone getting saved, they become preachers. They start opening up the scriptures. They start declaring how wonderful Jesus is. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Throughout the world today, evangelism is most effective through the ministry of the Pentecostals and the Charismatics. Do you realize that today we have something like 650 million people that we call Great Commission Christians. Out of the 2.2 billion people that call themselves Christians, there are 650 million that are Great Commission Christians. In other words, people that just are not nominal, but people that understand that there's a great harvest there. The, the, by far, the majority of these 650 million are Pentecostals. They're charismatics. There are people that believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When we look at the church that is growing today around the world, now, now you listen to the media and they're trying to tell you that the church is diminishing, that the church is empty. But I want to tell you something. The church of the living God is not diminishing. It is growing. There's amazing revivals happening all over the world. They don't show you the revivals in Africa where Reinhard Bonnke is preaching to crowds that are over one. One million people in one meeting in a field all wanting to hear about the gospel. They don't show you that. They don't show you a church in Nigeria that to get from the back door to the front door is one kilometer. To the build, that's the building, one kilometer. Back door to front door, one kilometer. Front door to back door, it's a kilometer long. And they still can't fit all the people inside. God is doing something awesome in Africa. God's doing something awesome in China. I've heard a recent statistic that says by the year 2035, most of China will be Christians. Over 50% of the Chinese will be Christians. God is moving powerfully throughout China. There are networks of churches in China with over 2 million people belonging to a network. In other words, a church of over 2 million people. My goodness, that's awesome. And in South America, there's a mighty move of God's Spirit. Something has happened. 
happening all over the world. Even the Muslim world is waking up to the gospel. Last year, six million Muslims decided that Muhammad wasn't the way, the truth, and the life, but Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. And last year, six million Muslims came to know Jesus Christ as the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, their Savior and Redeemer. How awesome is that? God is doing something powerful across the world. And you know what? I want to be right there in the middle of it. I don't want to be hidden away somewhere just, just yeah, singing Kumbaya, my Lord. Come quickly, Jesus. Because if you don't come quickly, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I can survive because the world is so attractive and, and the church is so boring. So please come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm, I belong to a church that's full of fire. I belong to a church that's full of life. I belong to a church that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit. And church, today, if you want more, if you want more, if you want to experience what I'm talking about, tonight is your night. Tonight is your night to say, Lord, I want to speak the language of the Spirit. I want to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So when I open my mouth, I speak in other tongues. Lord Jesus, I want to praise and worship you like a lunatic. No, no fears about what people think or say, absolutely abandoned to you, that when I open my mouth, the glory of God comes out. And Lord Jesus, I want to take this message of the gospel to the nations of the world, to my city, to my neighbor, to my friends, that they might know that Jesus is not dead, but Jesus is alive. And friends, that's why I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's why you too can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's stand together. Musicians, come. John, come. We're going to sing that song that you've been singing. And, and um, what we're going to do tonight is that we're going to be praying for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to linger in God's presence. We are just going to touch God tonight. How many of you reckon it's a good idea on Pentecost Sunday to touch God? Tonight, if you've never spoken in other tongues before, then tonight is your night to let loose. Tonight is your night to come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Tonight is your night to say, Jesus, you're my Lord and my Savior. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, well, John, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Not, not, not necessarily in 1975. My father, he got filled with the Holy Spirit in 1948. That's a long time before me. That's a long time before I was born. So, uh, so we got people here that been filled with the Holy Spirit lots and lots of years. But maybe you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, and tonight is your night to experience this wonderful experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you've been filled and you just want to be refilled. Because I, I, I really believe in fillings and refillings and topping up the tanks and, and just allowing God to do more in our lives. And He's wanting to do more. Well, tonight, you can either stay back there or you can join me here at the front and we're going to touch God thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge we invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au through our website you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales as well as accessing other free resource materials 